0: the nation's capital, this is D.C. Public Safety. I'm your host, Leonard Sipes. Ladies and gentlemen, we are honored to have Thomas App discussing violence reduction in America. Thomas App is a senior research fellow at the Harvard Kennedy School of Government, where he teaches studies and consults on the use of evidence-based approaches to violence reduction, among other topics. Previously, he served as deputy secretary for public safety to Governor Andrew Cuomo in New York, as well as chief of staff to the Office of Justice Program's, U.S. Department of Justice, where I first met Thomas. Thomas, welcome to D.C. Public
1: Safety. It's a pleasure to be on.
0: Thomas, I'm really happy to have you. You bring hard experience. Uh, You are one of the founders uh, of the National Forum on Youth Violence Prevention for the Department of Justice, and you've been instrumental in guiding the entire state of New York in terms of an innovative program. So violence is part of your forte, correct?
1: Yes, it's something that I've... uh had the privilege to work on in a number of different settings.
0: Okay, well first of all, I want to talk about addressing violence across the board and and how to address violence, because the country has been involved in, I guess you could say, a discussion over the course of the last six, seven, eight months. We've had violence in Ferguson. We've had violence in Chicago. We've had violence in Baltimore. We've had this national discussion on violence prevention. Um, As you well know, I call people before the program. I ask them, uh, and I've called four people from the law enforcement community, and they express confusion over what the public now wants us to do. Um, Can you put all of this into perspective in terms of the focus on addressing violence in communities in the country?
1: Sure, I can try. Um, I think think it is a very difficult uh, conversation to have, uh, and uh, we're trying to have it as best we can. But the way the conversation about violence in the United States is currently being framed uh, may be uh, a barrier to making uh, more progress. The current conversation that we're having is very much uh, an either-or conversation. Either you're talking about uh, police reform and uh, and the issues of police uh, use of force, pre- police lethality, um, those types of issues, or you're talking about "Quote unquote black on black t- crime," which I actually think is a problematic way of discussing it. But you're talking about uh, the issue of crime and violence in the community, and that's a that's a difficult framework that really uh, pits anti-establishment uh, uh, um, voices, which have some very valid concerns, with more conservative, possibly pro-establishment uh, uh, voices. Uh, And what we really need to have is is instead of an either-or conversation, we need to have a both-and conversation. We can't separate our concerns about crime control from our concerns about crime itself. The two go together. And so we need to think about uh, both what the police are doing um, uh, in terms of how they attempt to control crime and violence in a community. Uh, in addition to to the nature of the crime itself. So uh, I think that if we can reframe this conversation, we can have a much more productive conversation that can give more guidance um, to um, are, are you know, police professionals who are in the community who um, both want to change the way they do business and improve it, but they also have a job to do, and they want to make sure that they're keeping communities safe.
0: You wrote an article called Integrating Evidence to Stop Shootings, New York's Give, uh, the Gun Involved Violence Elimination Initiative. Discuss that with me briefly, and then let's take the conversation back to the larger national conversation, because in your article, it was rather straightforward Uh, It was a focus on people. It was a focus on places. It was a focus on hotspot policing. It was a focus on police initiatives, research, uh, using evidence-based practices, going in and having conversations with um, uh, troublesome people in the community, gang uh, members in the community. So on one side of this discussion is a straightforward approach, evidence-based approach. And the other side of it is, unfortunately, race politics and people's perceptions of what could be and should be. So let's start off with the simple. There are ways of reducing gun violence. There are ways of reducing shootings. You were part of that platform uh, and still are in the state of New York. Give me an overview
1: of the Gun-Involved Violence Elimination Initiative. Sure. Um, I, I helped establish uh, GIVE, which is the Gun-Involved Violence Elimination uh, while I was working for Governor Cuomo, uh, but uh, I'm just, to, just to clarify, I am now with uh, the Harvard Kennedy School, and I'm no longer working um, in New York, but Got I am it. still very much familiar with the program that we started. Got it. And um, GIVE is really, uh, uh, I think, a unusual effort in that it tried very directly to incorporate the best uh, information uh, that we had about how to reduce violence, both, uh, you know, gathering evidence and research and looking at data, and then trying to translate that for uh, for the law enforcement community and others to make it that information really accessible and easy to implement. And so we took, we did a, a, a six-month policy development proce- process where we reviewed Uh, statistics, data, research from all around the country, and identified some sort of core practices uh, that we felt uh, showed uh, what was most effective in reducing uh, violence and crime, particularly uh, as related to gun violence. And we translated these down into sort of three core principles. The first principle was In order to be effective, you need to focus on specific people and specific places. Uh, All the research shows that crime is not evenly distributed. Crime is sticky. It concentrates in places, and it concentrates among people. And so in any given community, when we think of a community as unsafe, Uh, That's really an oversimplification. In in any given uh, community that we think of as having a problem with violence, there are often two or three or maybe uh, more spots, we call them hot spots, where crime and violence are highly concentrated, but they're not concentrated throughout the entire community. And the same is true with, uh, with people. Um, a very small percentage of people, even in a neighborhood that we think of as unsafe, are responsible for a significant majority of the crime and violence in those places. And so it's very important when you're working in a quote-unquote unsafe or high-crime neighborhood to remember that the problem, even in that neighborhood, is not everywhere. And it's not involving everyone. So that's the first uh, principle. You have to focus on specific people and specific places.
0: So it's not a community, but it's specific places within that community.
1: Exactly, and specific people. So for instance, um, you have a very small percentage of your young people um, in a community. So so it is true that um, young men are much more likely to uh, offend and be violent than young women. And it's true that younger, and it's true that, um, you know, that age range of maybe 14 to 24 is a particularly difficult and risky age range. But it's very important for um, members of the law enforcement community and the community uh, generally to understand that that doesn't mean that every young man in a particular uh, community that's regarded as unsafe is going to be a public safety problem. In fact, it is going to be a very, very small number of uh, young men. And so that really counsels against sort of overbroad mass arrest, uh, zero tolerance approaches to law enforcement. Uh, And it means you need to get much more targeted and you uh, need to be much more specific.
0: Okay, so that addresses the larger um, issue that's been going on throughout the country. But I take a look at your article, and there's been an 88% reduction in homicides and shootings in New York City. And everybody's taking their cue from the New York City miracle, an 88% reduction in homicides, an 88% reduction in shootings, uh, where it rose 8% in the rest of the state of New York. So people are saying to to themselves, aggressive law enforcement in New York City is what created those reductions, isn't that a good thing for everybody? Um, So that's why law enforcement are saying, fine, it's places, it's people. We should be focused on specific areas, specific people. But look what happened in New York City.
1: Right. So New York City is a a very interesting example uh, of how how various kinds of legitimacy – work together and how one type of legitimacy is not enough to sort of have a successful uh, crime reduction effort. So there are at least three sort of strands when we think about legitimacy that we need to break it down. There's legitimacy of effectiveness, meaning do you do your fundamental job of driving crime down and violence down and protecting the community? There's uh, legiti- legitimacy as to lawfulness, meaning when you're doing that job, are you obeying the law and not placing yourself above the law or violating the law. And then there's legitimacy of fairness. And this is a, a really a concept that's been championed by Tracy Mears and Tom Tyler. They call it procedural justice. Uh, where does the community, even if you're being effective and even if you're being lawful, do they view you as being fair and benevolent and working in collaboration with them? And what what we are seeing from the research is that you really need all three. And in New York, um, uh, you know, you have uh, the police being highly legitimate as a matter of effectiveness. Um, They are arguably legitimate as a matter of lawfulness, although this has been disputed in the courts. But let's assume for the purposes of this argument that they are. But in that last strain of legitimacy, legitimacy as a matter of fairness, the perception is is that the NYPD has not been acting in a fair and neutral manner. And that's a, critical, uh, that's a critical omission. And that's one of the uh, real challenges that, um, that NYPD and I think that police are looking at is they, you know, the NYPD is a little, I assume, I think very um, surprised by this. They're saying we're doing a good job in terms of reducing crime um, and, we're try- and you know, we're doing it within the law as, the, as they perceive it. You know, what is the problem? And the problem is, is that they really haven't, uh, listened to the community and really engaged on that fairness component of legitimacy. And part of the issue is going back to people and places. Um, new York, the New York Police Department is very good about focusing resources in specific places. Um, if there's a lot of shootings in a particular area before this new era uh, with Bratton coming in, so during the Ray Kelly era, era of a few years ago, they would flood. Um, those areas with police officers and do um, lots of uh, what's called stop and frisks, and people are probably very familiar with that term. And w- and so when there was resistance to this strategy and the community said, you know, why are you stopping all of these people in our neighborhoods, the answer from N- the NYPD was, well, this is where uh, the crime is, and so we're following the data, and so there should be no problem the problem was is that was certain that was that was specific as, as to place but it wasn't specific as to people and what they didn't really appreciate is that even in a, an area that has a lot of crime and a lot of violence most of those people most of the people living in that area are not involved and so if you go into a neighborhood and treat everyone the same or more accurately every young man of color the same that um you catch uh, you catch up in that sort of broad net a lot of people who are not involved in crime and violence, and so you know it's it 's really important to listen to the community um, you know you have a lot of advocates basically. Uh, sort of pushing back on all types of police activity. But if you listen to communities, what they're saying is, look, there's a small number of people in this community who we want you to be very aggressive with, and we don't care if you stop and frisk them every 10 or 15 feet. But you need to understand our community better to know that, you know, one young man wearing baggy pants may be an active gang member um, and someone that law enforcement really needs to focus on. Another young man in baggy pants... Um, maybe on his way to a job, maybe on his way to Catholic school, maybe on his way somewhere else. And we want you to know our community and stay in our community enough so that you can make those critical distinctions.
0: Thomas Happ, before we go to the break, let me ask you a series of very quick questions, and then we get into the larger conversation of what's happening throughout the country. So in essence, to all the people who are concerned about violence and violence reduction, we pretty much know what to do uh, from the law enforcement, criminal justice, parole, and probation side, correct or incorrect?
1: Um, well, I think, I think it's risky to say uh, that we uh, know anything with absolute certainty. All of this work is, you know, uh, studied by social science, and social science has limitations. So I think that I can tell you uh, what we know best, but, you know, our information will evolve over time. So I'd say there's sort of five core principles um, to, um, to reducing violence um, based on the best evidence we have to, today. In 10 years, this may evolve. The first thing we know is that in order to reduce violence, you need to be comprehensive. The police are a critical component of violence reduction, but they're not the only people in that you need other programs. You need more than one program, more than one strategy, and you need more than one type of people involved. The second thing we know is that if you have multiple p- players working together and multiple stro- programs working together, it's no surprise they need to be aligned. The third thing that you need to do is be specific, and that is that, um, that conversation that we just had about focusing on specific places and specific people. The fourth thing you need to do is be proactive. Um, you cannot wait until crime and violence occurs and then simply solve it by arresting and prosecuting and incarcerating your way out of it. You have to try to get ahead of the problem, deter the crime before it occurs, uh, find um, work with kids who are at risk for violence, and try to get them engaging in pro-social activities and get them away from gangs, away from crews, and away from risky behavior. Um, So you need to get ahead of the problem. And then lastly, you need to focus on this concept of legitimacy. And legitimacy is not just about being effective, but it's also about being lawful about being fair, explaining why you're in a particular community, what your strategy is, and really engaging with the community and other stakeholders so they know what, not just what you're doing, but why you're doing
0: it. We're well, more than halfway through the program. We're talking today to Thomas Apt. He is a senior research fellow at the Harvard Kennedy School of Gover- Government where he teaches, studies, and consults on the use of evidence-based approaches to violence reduction. Uh, Thomas, I'm going to summarize. You gave a nice five-step summation of violence prevention Uh, in essence I hear two words coming out of this one is fairness one is quality so it's not necessarily mass arrests mass stops but quality arrests quality stops and the perception on the part of the community as to whether or not they're being treated fairly or not is can, can is it possible to break your discussion down into those two phrases
1: um I think I think that's a good uh overview. Obviously if I was working on the ground consulting with a particular uh you know anti-violence task force I might I might do that, but it's a fair overall summary.
0: Okay. So in essence, we have gone through the last 23 years of almost continuous reductions in crime. We have gone through, as we said in the article, an 88% reduction in homicides and shootings in New York City. Uh, again, I go back to the conversations I had with people in law enforcement. They're saying, well, you know what? Last year we were the heroes because we were sitting on top of decades of reduction." and crime. Now we're not. Now people are challenging uh, the legitimacy of law enforcement and law enforcement tactics. Um, Is there anything that we can say to law enforcement officers who are terribly confused right now? Because it seems to me that your two concepts of fairness and quality uh, seems to be the direction that we need to move in today.
1: Well, I think I think in terms of describing to um, you know law enforcement the law enforcement community what happened, um, you know, I consider myself a member of that community, and I was surprised as well um, by the fervor that um, has you know uh, really taken hold in the country. Um, but I think that one way to understand it is that. Um, we made a lot of um, public safety judgment calls um, in the late 80s and early 90s in an era of uh, high high crime um, and increasing crime, and we thought um, incorrectly that that uh, that crime rates were going to go up indefinitely. And so, um, in the public in the public safety community and in the broader public policy community. Lots and lots of decisions and trade-offs were made um, in that context. And I think one of the, one of the things that's exciting about this, um, this year and uh, possibly years moving forward is we're really starting a massive reexamination of all of those trade-offs, not just in terms of police use and force, but also incarceration and confinement rates Um, and uh, lots of other questions. And I think that's a healthy thing because we are in a new era. Crime has been reduced 50 percent. Violence has been reduced 50 percent nationally. We talked about the um, uh, tremendous success in New York City, but it's happening around the country. And so the first thing for, for us to realize in law enforcement is that times change, and we need to change with them. And we need to pay uh, more attention, not just to the legitimacy of effectiveness, but the legitimacy of lawfulness and the legitimacy of fairness. And realize, and this is very important, and it's backed up by solid research, that all of these things are interconnected. If you're perceived as fair, if you're perceived as lawful, it will make your job catching bad guys easier. And so um, it's very important that... We understand that this is not an either-or conversation, as I said before. You don't um, either make nice with the community or focus on catching the bad guys. The community is a key crime-fighting partner, and so the closer we work with them and the more effectively we work with them, the better we will be uh, will be at catching bad guys
0: i had a conversation with a researcher from the urban institute who stated emphatically and it's true we have never been safer the united states has never seen such low rates of violent crime In our lifetimes, Um, we in this year, we have never been safer in our lives. Uh, So thereby you have people within the criminological community, within the law enforcement community saying, wait a minute, we've given you the safest country um, in our lifetimes. Um, Suddenly things have changed. What changed? What changed from the standpoint of the safest country, the safest decade, the safest year in our country's last 25 years to this national discussion? What changed?
1: Well, I think it's, you know, I think that President Obama actually talks, uh, uh, I think, quite well about this when he talks about uh, progress in terms of um, racial equality. Um, It's important to recognize uh, two things at the same time. Um, Number one, um, in terms of public safety, that significant progress has been made. And number two, that we have a long way to go and that we're not done. And so the fact that we've had significant progress in terms of making the country safer uh, doesn't mean that we don't have more to do. And also, it's very important to remember that those um, that uh, not everybody experiences public safety the same way. So um, while uh, you know um, you know listeners in suburban America may have one experience of public safety, listeners who are from or work in neighborhoods of con- concentrated disadvantage have a very different experience. And uh, for instance, you know. Um, Uh, homicide uh, for young white men and boys um, is the third leading cause of death, and um, that's serious. But for Latino men and boys, young men and boys, it's the second leading cause of death. And for African-American young men and boys, it's the leading cause of death, and it causes more deaths than the nine other leading causes combined.
0: So in essence, what we need to do now is to come together for a conversation. We need to have an honest conversation where community members sit across the table with law enforcement officers to hammer out what it is that is acceptable in that community, that until that power shift is very strong and very definitive. uh, We're not going to be able to solve this problem. We have a golden opportunity to solve it if we all agree to sit down at the same table, look each other in the eye and have very honest, maybe long delayed conversations that focus on your two main points as far as I can tell, as far as I can see fairness and quality.
1: Yes, and I think we also need to recognize that um, those conversations uh, have been going on, uh, and uh, there are lots of great examples of those conversations going well. Um, you know, Boston in the 1990s uh, experienced a massive reduction in crime, uh, focusing, uh, the you know, coming out of the Boston Gun Project with David Kennedy, um, Anthony Braga, and the Boston Police Department. But it was supported by the Boston Ten Points Coalition, um, a coalition of African-American community-based clergy, uh, people like Jeff Brown, who were a critical element of um, that project and the overall, um, um, you know, effort to reduce violence success. And so, you know, it's not just about police, it's not just about community, um, it's about police, community, researchers, uh, you know, businesses, everyone coming together um, and and uh, working on the problem together. Again, it's always about avoiding these either-or conversations. It's not... If, if we have a... We can have a conversation that is just about police reform, but it'll miss something. And we can have a conversation that is just about Crime in neighborhoods of concentrated disadvantage, but that will also miss something and so, for our law enforcement partners, we need to we need to sort of reinforce the idea that you will be judged on not just how well you effectively reduce crime but also how well uh, you engage with the com- uh, with the community and explain what you 're doing and do that in a legitimate and lawful way.
0: But you did put it in perspective, and I thought it was powerful, because when you talk to people in law enforcement, they will say, I've been to the community meetings, and I get yelled at, um, screamed at, get them off the corner, they're, they're bothering people in the community, they are um, uh, destroying the fabric of life, they are endangering our children. Uh, so a lot of folks in law enforcement that say we have been listening to the community, and the community has told us to take aggressive action, you're saying that it really is a matter of not everybody in the community. You're talking about very specific people and places, and that's where the focus should be. So that sort of answers um, the uh, folks in law enforcement when they express confusion. Hey, wait a minute, the community told us to be aggressive. You're saying the community told us to be aggressive towards very specific people in very specific places.
1: Um yes and and I think a lot of police forces uh um, um are are understand that and those police forces like the police force in Boston like the police force in Los Angeles um like many others are not having the same uh problems that uh we're having in Baltimore or we're having in Ferguson so it's very important to realize that there are a lot of successful highly effective highly lawful highly uh fair Um, police departments that are really already incorporated um, these lessons. And you don't hear a lot about them because the community is not outraged by them. Because they've been doing it well all along. Well, maybe not all along, but they've certainly been doing it well for a a number of years. The last 10 years, yes. There's a responsibility to have a public conversation um, that goes beyond um, the police so, you know, it's not just about how the police respond to this. There's also a responsibility for journalists and a responsibility for advocates to, just as we can't uh, paint, um, you know, um, disadvantaged communities with a broad brush, we shouldn't pla- paint police officers with a, a, broad, a broad brush. And I think that they have a responsibility as well to understand that, uh that uh, while we should, you know, keep the pressure on to introduce meaningful reforms to improve policing, um, the idea is not to attack policing or undermine it altogether. Uh, and I think that we need to understand that uh, police are extremely, uh, an extremely important and valuable and honorable part of our communities. And that doesn't mean that Uh, we uh, don't hold them to a high standard.
0: Thomas, we're going to have to close there because we are running out of time, Uh, but I do appreciate this conversation, and the focus does seem to be on legitimacy. The focus does seem to be on fairness, and the focus does seem to be on quality. Ladies and gentlemen, we've been talking to Thomas App today. Thomas App is a senior research fellow at the Harvard Kennedy School of Government where he teaches and studies and consults on the use of evidence-based approaches to violence reduction. Ladies and gentlemen, this is D.C. Public Safety. We appreciate appreciate your comments, we even appreciate your criticisms, and we want everybody to have themselves a very pleasant day.